I don't like the fact you fucking with a lot of niggas. I don't like the fact you tell me that I'm always tripping. I don't like the fact you don't like to listen. I don't like the fact you fucking with my mind, girl. FaceTime me every night like you my girl. No patience, really running out of time, girl. No apologies, no, not this time, girl. No apologies, no, not this time, girl. If you fall Welcome back to another episode of the Matt Alexander podcast. And on today's episode, I got my childhood friend here with me who goes by the name of Gary Arthurs. Gary, what's going on? I'm good, Matt. Thrilled to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. And congratulations on the podcast, by the way. Uh, it's a roaring success. I've listened to all 15 episodes. Um, I wasn't sure who that rapper Big Clutch was talking about, but free that guy. <laughs> yes, Max B, Max B. And uh, hold on, before we get into this episode i have to shout out my boy vass he also appeared on episode one of the matt alexander podcast and for those who haven't listened to it he does well he is an entrepreneur and he has a clothing line that goes by the name of Je ordinaire and i got it on right now and also here is the box you can check him out on instagram at the J ordinaire and I believe he also has a website, which is jeordinaire.ca. And I'll also put a link to that in the, in the description below. And uh, yeah, Gary, you ready to start off this uh, great interview, episode 16? I, I am indeed. I actually just happen to also be wearing a Jen's Ordinaire shirt. They're very comfy. <laughs> um, definitely check out Vasa's stuff. Guy's doing his thing. It's all made with love. Uh, it's a wonderful idea he came up with. Part of the proceeds go to charity. Yep, yep, yep. And I uh, believe he has uh, sweaters, hoodies, and also T-shirts. And I think the colors that he has available are black and white, which Gary has on right now. So, uh, Gary, you ready to start this? Let's get this cracking. I'm ready. Let's do it, buddy. All right, all right. So, first off, can you give us a bit of an introduction of the company you work for and the services your company provides? Yeah, for sure. So I work as a midterm planner with Orange Air Ambulance. So Orange is responsible for the province of Ontario's transport medicine. So it's probably a good thing that you're not too familiar with us because <laughs> you likely have never needed Orange's services. So um, we've got 15 bases spread out all around Ontario. We have rotor wing aircraft, so helicopters in Toronto. If you've ever seen an orange helicopter in the sky, that's us. Right. Uh, we have fixed wing aircraft, so those are airplanes at more of our northern bases. And then we have land units, which are called critical care land units. And um, we've added a few temporary bases just to help with what the healthcare system has gone through with the COVID-19 pandemic. And right. pandemic is very much going to be a focus of what we talk about today. But um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm incredibly honored to work for Orange. Uh, in a normal year, we would do 16,000 what are called plan transfers. So that's like getting somebody to, so say you were diagnosed with cancer and you need to get to a specialized cancer hospital, but you don't live anywhere near it. Right. We would handle that. Maybe you need surgery, maybe you need ongoing care. And then we do 5,000 what are called acute transfers. So that's where you're watching CB24 and you see a really bad accident on the 400 yeah. and the helicopter's <laughs> landing on the highway and triaging people to where they need to get to. Okay, okay. That's interesting. So um, tell me a bit about your employment background and how you came to work at Orange. 
It's a pretty interesting story how I found my uh, journey to Orange. So um, my primary employment background is in commercial aviation scheduling. So started out with Porter. I then worked for a company called Sky Regional for three and a half years. Um, Sky Regional, it was a division of Air Canada. They unfortunately went under as a result of the pandemic. So they mm-hmm. shut their doors on March 31st. 650 people out of work. I My heart breaks for them. My heart breaks for anyone in commercial aviation. It's, it's nice to see commercial is starting to come back. Like Air Canada just recently recalled 2,600 employees. Yeah. So there is a light at the end of what has been a very long tunnel for these people. Um, and then, yeah, so I worked... I worked for Sky Regional, and then in September of 2017, I went to Air Canada Mainline. And I thought Air Canada Mainline was going to be my dream job, and how wrong I was. I was just not the right fit for them. So I ended up getting let go three days before my probation was going to end. Oh, wow. So, I mean, failure is a huge blow. But one thing from listening to your podcast that has been a consistent message is if you want to make things better, you got to start with you. Yeah. So I kind of spoke into existence. I was like, you know what? I'm 29 years old. I got to make something start happening. Right. Like it was fun to work in commercial aviation. I got to travel around, but I, I was looking for something, I guess, more stable and uh, maybe a little more rewarding. So I got back into the industry. I started working for WestJet and in the through in the year that I worked at WestJet, I got three different promotions. So I worked there for actually less than a year. It was 361 days. Um, so fast forward to April of 2019 and I interview with orange and, uh, it's a three person panel interview. It's intense. <laughs> and the guy that I'm interviewing with, he had actually interviewed me two years before and he had just ripped my resume to shreds. Like at the time I was like casual, casual rolling with a one page resume. So when I saw that I was going to interview with him, the first thing I did was like, I was like, I got to find that old resume and bring that to the interview. So. There I am in the interview with my old resume, my new resume, and this grin just comes across his face. So I know that I made a connection. And I mean, for me in my career, that's always been the big thing is making connections. Like I'm very much uh, not what I know, but who I know is going to open those doors for me. Right. So as luck would have it, I didn't get the job. So I then accepted a promotion with WestJet and I was in Calgary doing training with WestJet and I receive an email from Orange and it's like, Hey, might you still be interested? So uh, June 2019, what a crazy time. The Raptors are in the championship. I'm literally on my first ever business trip in Calgary. So I'm, I mean, I'm never one to close a door. I was like, you know what? Let me see what Orange has to say. So um, I was, like I said, in training all day. So I emailed the person from HR and I was like, yeah, do you guys want to like do another interview or something like that? And I got back to the hotel that night and there in my inbox is an offer from Orange and it was quite north of what I was making. So you had to jump on it. So um, I ended up coming back to Ontario and very quickly things happened. And there I found myself working in Orange and looking back, best decision I ever made. I obviously couldn't foresee what was going to happen to commercial aviation, but the job I had at WestJet, it doesn't exist anymore. And here I am now today, a little, just under two years later. And I feel like I'm a critical part of Orange's team. So what made you decide to leap at the at orange's opportunity i had actually known a few people that had worked at orange and they had overwhelmingly positive things to say right and then um my manager with orange she actually worked in a different department at sky regional so i did have a connection with her so 
I was I was actually brought over to Orange initially on a contract, and I was quite apprehensive about that. I was leaving a full time position with yeah. benefits and sort of a bit of a safety net to the unknown. So I remember I was actually on a golf trip in Niagara, and it, we were in between golf rounds, and I asked her, I was like, "Are you okay? Like, we obviously can't talk too specifically, but can I give you a call and just ask you like what you expect?" Where do people usually go that start in a contract? What's your conversion rate? That sort of thing. So, I mean, even though that conversation was 15, 20 minutes, it was life-changing because she helped ease the fears I was having. Of course. And, uh, man, she's a terrific boss. I absolutely adore working for her. And uh, I actually remember it was like maybe six weeks in because I remember I told her on like the second day I started at Orange, I was like, Plan to go to a bachelor party in Nashville. Would it be all right if I had, you know, this time off? And like, <laughs> she made it happen. Okay, you, you, I guess you, you got lucky because most jobs they wouldn't allow a new person that just got the job to actually, you know, take a vacation. Yeah, she so was quickly. she was so helpful in that sense. And I mean, it was a two way street too. Like I was willing to work with them too and like sort of came in on some days to make up for it and whatnot so it was uh it was very uh symbiotic mutually beneficial okay okay so explain to me what a day is like for gary as a schedule slash planner at Orange. okay so yeah i work um i work a 10-hour day so because of that i only have to work four days a week which is really nice um very nice <laughs> but uh yeah so my portfolio involves dealing with the pilots and the AMEs. So AME is just short for aircraft maintenance engineer. So if you want to think of them as car mechanics for planes and helicopters. Okay. So um, that's what I'm normally doing. So I'm dealing with things like their leaves, their ongoing training, day-to-day schedule maintenance. Like if they have a shift overrun, some things have to be sort of adjusted in our system payroll-wise. Um, but because my first role with Orange was as a short-term scheduler planner, I'm really versatile. So they kind of use me a bit of a Swiss army knife. So I've recently been able to work on a few special projects. So when uh, the vaccines first came around in December of 2020, like by the end of that, so they came about the beginning of the month. So by the end of December, early January, we were getting needles into the arms of our paramedics. So they were some of the first people in the world to get vaccinated. So I helped set some of that up. And then a little bit later in the episode, we're going to talk about um, a special project that I worked on or sorry, it's now in its second iteration. We're still working on it. And uh, as well, just what we did with the surge in the third wave. Yeah, but, but, but before, yeah, continue, continue. My day, there, there's never really two days that are the same because I can sort of go in and say, okay, this is what I think I'm doing today, but the phone might ring and we, we might be doing something else. Like, I mean, there was, there was no real preparing for the surge, but when it came, I certainly... I will say in those, if you want to say few months, I feel like my growth as an individual in my job was explosive. You, you said previously, um, orange uses you like a Swiss army knife. So you all, and you also said you train other employees that are just coming in. What is it like to do that? Have you got any like pushback or blowback or people don't want to listen to you and think they know everything? Has that ever happened i've been fortunate i've had four students and they've all successfully passed their probation and continue to be with warren which i think reflects really well on me um but yeah i 
my teaching style is very much like I try to be honest with people. I try to be like, okay, here's the repetitive parts of the job that we got to do every day. Here are the unique things that only come around every now and then. And just if you, there's with scheduling, there's no perfect scientific way to do it. Like there's always going to be things that you can look back in retrospect. Okay. We could have done this, but at least with me and my trainees and even up to my own management, as long as you can explain what your decision was and why you were thinking that way, I think you're always going to be successful and never be afraid to reach out and ask for help. That is one thing. If I don't know what I'm doing, I raise the alarm immediately and be like, even with my, like there's, there's aspects of my job. So like, for example, the special project we're going to talk about where I'm doing, I'm basically now the trainee and I've, I've got to make sure I'm asking the right questions because when I was at Air Canada, I wasn't asking the right questions and that's why I wasn't successful. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask a next question. When it comes to being a schedule slash planner, has there ever been a time where you forgot to schedule something or you may have double booked, if that makes sense? Has that ever happened? Absolutely. No one's perfect. So I can distinctly remember it was, uh, it was, I think it was last summer. Um, so I got called in sick and I know that I knew that we had an on call ready to replace him. And I just completely forgot to do anything about it. Like I took the call, wrote it down in my notebook and that was the end of that. So I remember getting a call from my boss the next day I was off. She's like, what happened with so-and-so? I was like, oh dear. So I did get lucky in that the aircraft had a maintenance issue and we were still able to bring in the on-call. So, I mean, all in all, we only lost about an hour of that shift, but that was very much like a, but no, I, uh, I try to be a diligent note taker. Um, I think we all kind of have our own shorthand where like I can write just maybe a few words. But to me, it'll mean a whole series of information, but it's like you have your like trigger words. Okay, yeah. this means I got to do this. So, um, no, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm by no means perfect. And uh, life is about learning from your, yeah, learning and the experience you have and continuing to learn. Yeah, I agree. What does Orange do to serve the 14.5 million people who live in Ontario? Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, there are 14 and a half million people in this province. We are far and away the most densely populated province. Um, We do tend to all live in the Golden Horseshoe, though, which is sort of that uh, Niagara to Oshawa corridor. Um, But yeah, we're so we're we're an integral part of Ontario's health system. So we're we're very lucky to have orange. There's there's smaller iterations of air ambulance programs in Nova Scotia and British Columbia and Alberta, but nobody has something on the scale of orange. So we, it's pretty amazing sometimes to see like where our helicopters and vehicles can end up because it is the, like it says on my cup here, critical care transport. And that's what we do. Like we, we go to the ungoable places and bring the healthcare that needs to be brought or vice versa, bring people to where the health resources are. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say I'm, although I'm not an employee of the ministry of health and long-term care, we are certainly cousins and very much integral to what they do. 
and you, I'm assuming you guys speak constantly, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially with this project that we're going to talk about, like we're, we're in meetings with a lot of different stakeholders. And then even like, um, so Homer Tien is the CEO of Orn, Dr. Homer Tien. Right. Um, right. So the vaccine task force for the province of Ontario, it started out with General Hillier and he has now passed the torch to Homer is the one in charge of the vaccine task force. Okay. So okay. we, um, we very much have a seat at the table and he's also on the science advisory committee that would advise the provincial government. Okay. Oh, also, some in your opinion, how does Orange stay above the competition? Yeah, so, I mean, we are lucky in the sense that because we're sort of an offshoot of the Ministry of Health, like, our only real competition is from private area ambulances. And to the, to the best of my knowledge, we're really not being competed with by anybody because nobody would quite have the same resources. Like, the Ontario Air Ambulance Program has existed in the 1970s, since the 1970s in some capacity. Right. So we've been at this for 50 years. And we're also um, very much integrated with like the Trillium Gift of Life Network. So if organs are on the move between people, like literally going from unfortunately a deceased person to the living, Correct. we're often involved in that too. Yeah. That is where we would see a little bit of a competition system, if you will, because there are other systems that want to, because I mean, when it comes to organ harvesting, every minute counts. A hundred percent. I hear that. I hear that. So since COVID has basically affected the whole world, how has the pandemic changed the way you and the employees work at Orange? Um, funny thing. So I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like the pandemic snuck up on me a little bit. Like I was watching the news like in January, February, 2020, it seemed like, Oh yeah, some long-term care homes in Seattle have some outbreaks. Like, yeah. oh, this is a faraway problem. And then I remember, I think it was March 12th when Trump gave the Oval Office speech. He's like, "I'm shutting the travel down from Europe." And then uh, Rudy Gobert famously grabs the mics <laughs> and uh, tests positive for COVID, and boom, the NBA shut down, the NHL the next day, and it was like it's seemingly like the world stopped in a heartbeat. Hundred percent. So, so on our more micro level, how it affected us is um, like it's changing now as things are winding down in the pandemic. But like we were using like every available room at our headquarters was holding extra medical supplies. Like you would have heard about it when uh, the pandemic was first starting. Like nobody was able to get the access to the PPP, like the N95 yeah, mask. I did read about that and hear about that. And a lot. And you guys must have been like panicking, right? Yeah, we would because we knew we would have an increased role because we were like up until that point we were moving some COVID positive patients, but it didn't seem to have the uptick yet. Yeah, that yeah. it would. And then in terms of in the office, like as you can tell by talking to me, like I'm a very social guy. So there there are coworkers that in the last year the only times I've seen them is when we were getting vaccinated, which we were very blessed to get vaccinated at work. I feel so blessed to be double vaccinated right now. Um, but yeah, so we like when I go into work, I have to do a temperature check. There's a questionnaire and an iPad. Um, we have those at all of our bases. And there are times where like people will fail that. And then we've got to assess, okay, is it a matter of where you did you have a fat finger and hit the wrong thing? <laughs> or is it a matter of where you actually did? And then um, as policies were changing too, like, I mean, so many of our people that work with us have children and they were like, if your children are in a school where there was a COVID positive test, 
you've got to be off of work for so i mean it was it's certainly affected the way we work um but at the same time there has been good come out of it too like um i i live seven minutes from work but other people live an hour an hour half away from work so if they can work from home or even go back to a hybrid model when things go back to more of a normal state right. i think it's something they'll want to do and i mean if you look at um, the polling data, I think it was something like only 20% of people with office jobs actually want to return to their office in a full-time capacity. So it means 80% of people are happy to work at home or in some sort of hybrid model, which, I mean, I really think we should encourage people to do that. Like, so I, for example, work has given me a laptop and yesterday I did half my day at work, half my day at home. And it was, it was, it's very nice to have that flexibility. Yeah, I, I honestly think that might be the new normal. I honestly have that feeling. Um, but um, I believe Orange um, assists the Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care Facilities. How has that been during the pandemic? Yeah, so, I mean, we obviously all saw those um, heartbreaking news reports where there were outbreaks at long-term care homes and that sort of thing. Like I even, I Eastville, we live quite close to, and I remember like going by it and it was like, I mean, they didn't exactly have caution tape, but it was literally a ghost town. So, I mean, that was the long-term care homes were a big spreader of this virus. And we would be transporting people sort of that need to go to hospitals, but in terms of actually being in a long-term care home, that wasn't really as much in our scope, okay. but the ministry is called the Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care. So, I mean, long-term elder care, it's all part of the web. Okay. And uh, this is the question I really wanted to get to. Um, Operation Remote Immunity. I know you got, I know there was the 1.0, which ran from January to April. And I saw your company vaccinated 31 flying nations in Northern Ontario. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah. So, um, I, I played a small part in operation remote immunity 1.0 or ORI 1.0. So, um, basically what we did was we took 31 remote flying communities and Moosonee, Ontario, which is where we have one of our bases. Right. And these are just remote areas with indigenous people. And what we did was on the first iteration, it was the Moderna vaccine. So we had to pull some of our paramedics from what they were doing. We were also working with um, different healthcare organizations and um, some weeks we were sending six teams into six different communities and uh, it was just a roaring success. I mean, we had a lot of integration on that. So a lot of stakeholders at the table, band chiefs, that sort of thing. Um, but in total, they ended up administering 25,000 doses. Oh, wow. So more than 12 and a half thousand people were actually vaccinated. So um, what we've now come to is ORI 2.0. Which is hold on, hold on. Another question I have. You said you um sent well, Orange sent six teams. How much people per team? Usually six people per team, and sometimes also a doctor, so sometimes seven. And yeah, so they would be leaving generally from our Thunder Base Bay each day, and they would be going into those communities. And um, I mean, it's 10 seconds to put it into somebody's arm. But there's a lot of paperwork you got to do. Um, you got to talk about allergies with people. 
Um, also to just education around like, okay, this is a new MRNA vaccine. Um, because we, we really are on the cutting edge of this science. Like in terms of traditionally how long a vaccine takes to be created to this one, like we were light years. I'm assuming the stress levels of the teams were real high because what were the hours like? Because if you I agree, if you're... yeah, sometimes they were pulling 15 or 16 hour days. Um, we are lucky that we have some of the most highly trained paramedics in the world that work with orange. So these people know that they are the best of the best and they're kind of prepared for those rigors. So, um, for example, we have a husband and wife team that work out of our Ottawa base mm -hmm. and they're also on what's called Canada's EMAT team. So emergency management. So sometimes they'll call and they'll be like, all right, you got to pull me out of this. EMAT's called, and this would have been like last year where they were going to like different hotspots. So like Windsor-Essex, for example, was a hotspot last year in the province, and they were down there for a few weeks. So, I mean, I'm truly so honored to work for Orange because I'm just often in awe of the caliber of people that we work with and the way that people are also, when the call does come, willing to put their lives on hold because so much of this work that we've been able to do has been because people are willing to give back their vacation, come in on their days off. Um, like it's, it's really, really something to behold. And I, I agree with that too, because especially with what was going on in the world at that time. So for people to uh, like leave their families and go back to work and help. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's, that's really, really good, man. I'm a, I'm a fringe healthcare worker. I work in administration. But if any of the listeners know anyone that's a healthcare worker, um, send them a thank you text just because they've had, I mean, the longest, we're year two of this now, the longest year and a half of their lives, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also tell us about um, Operation Remote Immunity 2.0. Let us know. Sorry, about I was that. kind of putting the horse before the cart there. So, <laughs> um, so for Operation Remote Immunity 2.0, the first one went so well, and they said, what is this project missing? Gary, that's what we're <laughs> missing. So um, uh, I've, been, uh, I've been shadowing one of our, um, one of our more senior um, planners, and she's been absolutely great. And uh, she'll be taking some time off in a few weeks, and then I'm going to be what's called the resource management, uh, yeah, resource management lead for my department for this project. So okay. ORI 2.0, this time we're vaccinating the youth. So it's between age 12 and 17. And Pfizer is the only vaccine currently approved for that age group. So that's what we're using this time instead of Moderna. So there has been some, uh, some ongoing training that had to be done because our people and the various health services that are being used to fill out these teams have to learn how to, the differences, if you will. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit smaller this time and they've certainly learned some lessons because I remember I was sitting in a meeting on Tuesday morning and uh, I was like, things going really well. Like, <laughs> I feel like things are going well. And they were like, yes, they are going quite. And so, I mean, we're always going to run into hiccups and there's going to be need to be maintenance along the way. But I mean, we, uh, we are moving at a pretty good clip. We've, 
probably done um, seven or eight different communities already. Again, those same 31 in Moosonee that we had talked about. Right. And uh, I mean, just, I feel like it's going to be something that I tell my grandkids about is that, Hey, we, uh, we worked as a team against this virus. And because I mean, you can really work on this in two different ways. You, you have what we went through with the third wave, which is extremely sick people, or if we can get ahead of this thing and get people vaccinated, you're just going to ease the burden on the healthcare system. If there is a fourth wave, which obviously we very much hope there will not be. Yeah. We don't want to have no fourth wave, man. I did. I only want to speak that into existence. (laughs) So this is a two part question. How did Ontario make it through the third wave with ICUs in the GTA at full capacity? And how did Orange help to ease the capacity? This is a great question. So um, Ontario is a province. We were in bad shape. There were days where there were 900 people in ICUs. So we had to do everything we possibly could to ease that burden. So we have what's called uh, SRT, surge response team at work. So that team was activated and we were using a lot of our paramedics, you know, in sort of outside of their normal scope of working where they were transporting using our critical care land units, um, extremely sick, intensive care, COVID positive patients. So primarily we were going East and West. So we were trying to go to hospitals in the Kingston and London area, but sometimes even as far as Ottawa or Sudbury, um, I, I was able to get a chance to meet some of our paramedics who came down from the Northern bases who volunteered which again, that is just so touching. There was one of our, uh, one of our paramedics. Um, this guy was definitely the MVP, at least for me. He, um, he was any legal day he could, he was basically working with the search team to decant these patients. And I remember he had like a Saturday off and I called him and I said, Hey, like, would you want to work? And he's like, no, I'm helping my neighbor build a fence, but put me in for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So again, even on his like one day off, he's still serving people. So I, I mean, for Orange, what we were doing, it was definitely people were seeing the need. And I mean, it's one of those, I think it's one of those old sayings. It's like when a disaster happens, like look for the helpers and Orange was certainly being the helpers. Yeah. And um, we actually, for a couple of days, we borrowed a bus from uh, York Region Paramedic Service. And that would allow us to do multiple patients at the same time, because usually it's, it's about a six hour process because you've got to keep these people who are extremely sick, stabilized of course, and get them moving from one ICU to another. So um, very, very long days for our people. Um, but again, at the height of our surge, we were running six to seven extra teams every day. So that was two paramedics per team. So like 12 to 14 people. And it ended on May 31st. So it ended just like two weeks ago. But I remember the final day, we only had one team. And I remember scheduling that last team. And it was like, we made it. (laughs) And I mean, we're now seeing the fruits of our efforts. Like I, I, it's crazy how quickly things can change from like May 1st to June 1st. Um, Like, here we go. Like we're getting our vaccine people with at least one dose are getting up into the 70% now. And um, like, like (laughs) the patios are open. Me and uh, my fiance, we went for sushi last night. 
It was freaking delicious. It was it was so sweet to be like the return of society. Yeah, I did see that photo on Instagram. You guys looked real happy out dining. Oh, well, you know me. If it's all you can eat, Matt, I'm not not happy. <laughs> <laughs> and so do you feel like the families of the patients appreciate you guys for what you guys did for them during th this whole COVID-19 craze? Absolutely. So, like, reward and recognition are not what our people seek, but they certainly get it. So, yeah. like, um, the second iteration of um, Operation Remote Immunity, it started May 31st. So, literally, Surge comes to an end. That very day, we're starting ORI 2.0. And I remember watching uh, CB24 on the Sunday night, and I saw a little blurb come across the ticker that uh, Operation Remote Immunity starting up again to vaccinate Indigenous youth. So, it's, it's great when you... Like I have a, I have a friend, he says, I think we can all agree that you never want to end up on CP24, but if you can end up on CP24 for the right reason, yes. it's certainly a good thing. Yeah. And I mean, our people, um, every year there's a few orange paramedics that win a governor general's award. And then in our cafeteria where we have like a wall, which is literally just thank yous that have been sent in from people. So it's often from parents who have had a child that was in some sort of critical situation mm -hmm. and orange was there um uh yeah it is uh it is certainly and um my manager in particular she goes above and beyond to thank us for the things we do like um we have a meeting every week because obviously everybody can't physically be in the same place and um she she's one of those people that loves to share the credit which is great that's really good to hear man that's really really good so um, my last question I have before I let you, you know, get back to your busy day since we're finally off this lot. Yeah, I'm going to golf town. <laughs> okay. It's open again, finally. <laughs> <laughs> so I need your opinion on this. Recently, well, as of, I guess, yesterday or whatever, the lockdowns in Toronto have somewhat been, somewhat been lifted. When do you think we'll get back to normal life with no masks? and where everyone feels comfortable being around each other and we don't got to be six feet apart. I mean, I wish I had a crystal ball and could say for certainty when it would be. Um, I can tell you this. Uh, I only had to go through one COVID birthday. My fiance, her birthday is April 27th. So she sadly had to go through two COVID birthdays. So mm -hmm. I was 30 and 31, 30 obviously being the big one. Um, so, I mean, her 32nd birthday, I want to – party as much as we can. I, I hope that this is a speed bump and we get into the roaring twenties, like the 1920s. Um, I, I have tickets to the weekend. He has postponed that concert twice. So I do, he doesn't strike me as the kind of person that'll postpone a third time. Cause he'll just make a new album. Yeah. <laughs> so when I'm, uh, Ooh, I'm blinded by the lights. When that's happening, that's when I feel confident that, um, COVID, will be at least on the ropes. Okay. Like, I, I don't I don't know if this is ever going to fully disappear, if we're going to get to a point where it's like a sort of a seasonal flu and you've got to get booster shots and whatnot. But um, I guess my message to people of our generation, which, by the way, I got to give a big ups to me and, me and you, Matt. We've obviously known each other for 30 years. Yeah. Um, similar social circles. 
Like no one that immediately close to me did contract COVID. So I got to um, big ups to people for buying in, doing their part, getting vaccinated when their time came. Like, I mean, we all love a good conspiracy theory. We all know that David Stern froze the envelope. Sorry, the NBA froze the envelope. So David Stern (laughs) would give it to the New York Knicks to select Patrick Ewing in the 1986 NBA entry draft. That's a fact. That is not a conspiracy theory. COVID, on the other hand, though, is no conspiracy theory. Like, this is a serious, serious illness. And I'm, I'm, I'm just so happy that I can look back at last winter and the critical work that we did and know that because of those efforts, summer 2021 is not going to be like summer 2020 was. It's going to be better. Mm-hmm. We're, we're getting that return to normal. Um, so I wish I did have, like, I wish I could be like January 1st, 2022, it's on. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. if you look to the states where they've done an incredibly, incredible job of vaccinating people, like, Vegas is open. Miami is open. Texas. Um, Alberta is having stampede. So you got to think we're, we're not that far behind. Like let's hope in the next few months, because isn't that the beautiful thing about Toronto is taste of the damn fourth. Um, salsa on St. Clair, Carabana, the CNE. Like you don't need to leave Toronto because Toronto's got everything. Yeah. But hopefully in 2022, things will somewhat get back to, you know, 2019, you know, when the Raptors were actually yeah. the I just want to have those positive feelings. Like we 20, 2019, it's probably one of those years we now look back with such reverence. Yeah, exactly. Because like, we, we didn't know what was about to hit us, you know? 2020 had so much promise. We were supposed to have a Euro and Olympics, which we're now getting those things. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy, like how fast it can all change. And I feel like now, I, I'm probably gonna be less hesitant to like cancel plans because you guys gotta make the most exactly. of every day. You gotta live like every day's your last because you never know what the future may hold. You know? Yeah, a hundred percent. I uh, I couldn't agree more. Yes, yes, yes. And I just I I I just have this overwhelming like positive feeling of optimism right now like i i just uh i know i know ontario and canada and toronto are coming back i agree i agree all we can do is just send positive energy and just hope for the best you know no negative no negative thoughts Mm. you know and uh actually sorry i have one last question for anyone that may want to follow in gary's footsteps what advice would you give to them? Yeah. Like, I mean, I sort of fell into what I do for a career, but you can certainly go to aviation management programs at various colleges. Um, Although aviation may not be a field that people want to pursue right now because of how unstable it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we said, there's been massive upheaval in that sector. Um, But yeah, I, uh, my path was sort of my own, but if uh, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, if anyone wants to reach out to me, I'm happy to chat and share my insights. Um, before we go, would you mind if I just did a couple of shout outs to a few folks? Go ahead. Okay. First of all, to you, Matt, congratulations on this podcast. The background looks phenomenal. Uh, I'm so honored to be the guest for episode number 16, but the first video episode. Mm-hmm. Um, continue doing this. This is 
This is, uh, it was your COVID passion project and it should go well beyond COVID. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, thank you for taking the time to actually, you know, be my first video podcast episode, man. I really, really appreciate it. You didn't have to do it. But when we spoke about it, you said, you, you don't got to ask me twice. Let's just do it. And here we are. So I really appreciate that. I took drama all four years of high school. I love nothing more than the sound of my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And man. speaking of your own voice, Matt... Is that you rapping on the intros? You know, I I didn't want to say anything, but yes, it is me that's uh, rapping. I knew it. The beginning of the intro. Not a lot of people know that. Only if you really, really know my voice, you would know it's me. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, just two more shout outs. I want to shout out um, my friend Kaylee. Her son Caleb turned three back on May 15th. Obviously, we were still in restrictions. I couldn't be there. It was his third birthday. I missed his second birthday also because of COVID restrictions. I missed his first birthday because I was overseas getting engaged. Kaylee, before that kid turns five, I'm coming to a birthday. Don't know which one, but I'll be there with bells on. Shout out Kaylee. (laughs) Absolutely. And then um, lastly, I just want to give a special shout out to, um, I think she was the guest on episode nine, my good friend and former roommate, Jen Keegan. She also had a birthday on April 9th. It would have been her second COVID birthday. So happy belated birthday, Jenny. And uh, shout out to Jen. We actually have another episode we're going to record next week. Yes. That's all I'll say for now. It's going to be a very interesting one. That's all I'll say. Is it going to be video? Yes, it will be video. Oh, man. See, you're taking the multimedia to the next level. Exactly, man. I, I, I really sat back and said, instead of just the audio, let me level up with the video because I find the video, it'll people will, will connect with you more because they can actually see your facial expressions, your hand gestures. And yeah, it, it just adds another element, you know? So I still yeah, be still doing good. the audio on It's Spotify still good to listen to as just audio, yeah, but yeah. obviously just gives it another dimension. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, oh yeah, and uh, I also uh, want to say shout out to uh, your fiance, Lindsay, and your engagement. I definitely want to make sure I am at that wedding because especially with the A-Ways dudes, I know it'll be a crazy, crazy event, man. I can't wait. We, uh, we signed the contract. We set the date, June 30th, 2022. We can't wait. Um, I got to lose about 30 pounds before the wedding, but, you know, we can get there. <laughs> uh, listen, a lot of us put on a bit of a quarantine weight, so it is what it is. We got a, another year to, you know, get right, get in shape. And uh, I'll definitely will have my camera there to get the behind the scenes. And definitely I'll be putting that out. So, Can't wait. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, thank you again, Gary, for taking the time to come on my podcast and do this with me. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I hope you enjoy your, the rest of your day. And I plan on seeing you very, very soon, bro. And having you on another episode again. It was an absolute pleasure. Everybody out there, be well. All right. Thank you, bro. I don't like the fact you fucking with a lot of niggas. I don't like the fact you tell me that I'm always tripping. I don't like the fact you don't like to listen. I don't like the fact you fucking with my mind, girl. 
FaceTime me every night like you my girl No patience, really running out of time, girl No apologies, no, not this time, girl No apologies, no, not this time, girl If you fall in